even though I had overcome some of the anxiety issues because I was hiring more staff, I still hadn't really solved that problem. And trying to, the, the balance, the work-life balance of being self-employed, of being an entrepreneur, of being driven, all those things are a great recipe to finding success. But they're also, it's a great recipe to finding stress. And, you know, in 2013, 2012, when I found Rich, that was really when I was able to change my mindset on many different things that allowed me to build the practice to where it is today. Hey, law firm owners, welcome to the Your Practice Mastered podcast. We're your hosts. I'm MPS. And I'm Richard James. Today, I'm excited to have this conversation, Michael. Absolutely. We're joined by attorney Jamie Miller. And I got to tell you, I'm feeling pretty fired up because I just watched the From Chaos to Freedom documentary again this morning. So I got to go back through Jamie's story again. And that got me pretty excited about today's interview. So Jamie, super excited to have you on. It's great to be here with both of you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, Jamie, I, I you know, I, I would love to kind of kick right right into things just to let the audience know a little bit more about you. So I, I'd start with an icebreaker, which is, you know, to everyone listening, what is something that maybe others don't know about you? It doesn't have to be no one, but something others might not know about you. Yeah, I mean, people often ask me how I stumbled into the bankruptcy world. It dates back to 1991, after I graduated uh, college and moved back to Canton, Ohio, uh, went into business with my father. Uh, was a, a really interesting journey. We opened a retail business way back when. Unfortunately, we had great aspirations. My father had been in the industry for a long time. And it was kind of at that time when the big box stores were opening up, kind of the targets and the of the world Kmart was really expanding at that time. And we went into market with an idea that I think had passed kind of that catalog showroom idea. People may have been familiar with best products or service merchandise or something like that. Service we merchandise. In, There's a shout service. from the past. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So we went to market in 1990 with an idea from 1978. So at, after about a year of uh, being in business, we realized we just weren't going to make it. It was just really challenging. We, we were not able to competitively buy products. We were paying at a, at a much higher level. Our profitability was really low. So we ended up having to file a business chapter 11 for the bankruptcy. I mean, for the, for the business. And at about that same time, my father got ill. And I unfortunately ended up finding myself at age 21, just having graduated college, running a business that I really didn't know what I was doing, and also managing my the bankruptcy process. We hired a bankruptcy lawyer out of Akron, Ohio, a guy by the name of Richard Levine, really a nice guy, but not not much in the handholding experience. You know, I could tell we were just another number. So that, that journey through that whole bankruptcy experience, and then watching my own father have to file a personal, a personal bankruptcy 
kind of informed me on what I wanted to do and how I wanted to, to build my bankruptcy practice and it inspired me to go to law school and it inspired me on this whole journey to where I am today. I, I think I thank you for that. The journey towards being an attorney. I have one thing that I think I know that I don't know that everybody else knows. At least I think your wife told me this. You're, you're actually pretty darn good at basketball. Didn't you qualify for like the U.S. Jewish American team or something, amateur team or something like this? Am I not correct in that statement when it came to basketball? Isn't that your favorite sport? And you did qualify for some high level scenario? I I did. And I, I am probably, people don't know this about me, but I am probably the best 59-year-old Jewish basketball player in Milwaukee. <laughs> For, for whatever that means. <laughs> it's, it's, there, there's only two of us that are still playing, but, but it is, I, I, I still have this passion for playing basketball. And yeah, I, I qualified uh, to go to the uh, Maccabi games, it's called, in South America several years back and in Brazil and just a, a remarkable experience. So That's I'm great. still playing. That's not good. not at the highest level. I'm I'm, I'm smart on the court, uh, but I just can't run as fast as I used to. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just watched uh, the Tom Cruise movie last night with Michael and for my birthday. And uh, I think we saw Tom Cruise is trying to run as fast as he wants to. Be. He doesn't run as fast as he did in the past. The eight, we cannot escape age. But, Michael, you were a decent basketball player, too. I, I was useless on a basketball court. But, Michael, you played basketball. You enjoyed that sport as well. Yeah, and then height came into play. And one, once height came into play, you know, I could play good defense here and there. And, and then at some point, you just get outgrown. And, and it becomes a little bit more difficult to excel in the sport of basketball, in my opinion. Not that height is everything, but it certainly played a factor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Good. So, so we, we know we've got two guys in, we, we would not want to have me as a three man person on a three man basketball team that we know for sure. Dribbling and, and I can make free throws. I can even play horse. But I can't make a layup to save my life. And I'm not a very good ball handler. So anyway, <laughs> you're a defensive player. Yeah. So <laughs> Jamie, I, I actually, uh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. I, 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 in, in my bankruptcy world, I had a client who did not believe that I knew how to play basketball and I could tell I could beat him. And so I, I offered to play him one-on-one. -on -one. If I beat him, he paid my fee. And if he beat me, uh, I would do his bankruptcy for free. No way. And awesome. I, I destroyed him. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. That's great. <laughs> oh, that is by far the best bankruptcy lawyer story i've ever heard yeah that that is awesome <laughs> oh that's that, oh that's really cool you could make that as part of your marketing yeah i should do that you i wish i would have videotaped your... it yeah but like you could just you know i don't know call some new person out and and film you beating them right and just challenge them if you can beat me i'll file your bankruptcy at no cost Oh my gosh! Great that would be, what, what a great marketing yeah. angle! Oh man, now you you might play more basketball than you want to, but right, uh, exactly. It. But I think most of the people will just fold, right? They won't even show up. But yeah, that'd be great. Right. And, and, yeah, I, I, my marketing brain is going now. We could we could roll out this for miles, but I'm not going to. Michael, sorry. I no, no, you're good. The marketing right. senses are going off. That's actually a brilliant piece, Jamie. Maybe something to consider. Maybe something to run with there. 
So look, I know obviously in your entrepreneurial journey, we kind of heard the lead up to why bankruptcy and how that came to be. But I, I'm curious, what has your journey as a law firm owner looked like? And I'm sure there's lots of paths on this. So if you just want to hit a couple of the highlights along the journey, what are some of those highlights? Well, when I started um, my bankruptcy practice, you know, 1994, 1995, I started off uh, slowly. I remember I always wanted to focus in the in the area of bankruptcy and uh, opened up my office on my own. In fact, I, I remember I did um, open up my practice. I sent out a mailer to all my friends and family announcing that Miller and Miller was opening up as a bankruptcy firm. And on that postcard I sent out, I spelled bankruptcy wrong. <laughs> so that, that is how I kicked off my, my bankruptcy career. So I started about 1995. I was on my own and, you know, just started, you know, started building it up and adding staff. And, you know, just because of the way we did things and our ability to relate to people, the, the firm gradually grew over the years and it grew organically more than planfully or strategically. Sure. And I, I kind of hit a point, you know, probably in the 2000 area, 2005, where the business was, was really growing. I was spending more and more money on yellow pages and it was the most frustrating it was my main lead source, and it was just so frustrating. Every time my yellow page rep would come in, I'd have to take a Xanax or something like that because it just caused me so much stress. And I got to this point where we were having tons of leads, and business was going really well. Revenue was good. Profitability was good. But I was frustrated because I really didn't feel like we were maximizing uh, the leads. And I saw just the, a huge opportunity in the, in the marketplace. So, you know, grow, 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 grow. And I hit a point where we kind of got stuck and from a, from a business standpoint, but always felt great about our clients and how they liked us and our relationships and good Google reviews. It was just kind of, you know, I just reached a point where I, I it grew to a point where I knew it grew beyond me I have or a my question. capabilities. Were you, and I asked this question as a plus one onto what you were going through, Jimmy, because I don't know that I know the answer, but were you personally, as your firm was growing, were you making more money personally too, or was it growing and you, your personal income and in life was staying the same or getting worse? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, I mean, there there was a point where yes, the, I was making more money. My anxiety levels were through the roof because I was adding support staff, but I wasn't adding lawyers, and I was handling every consult call that come in. So I remember, you know, doing the doing consult calls all the time. I'd be driving home from work and I'm on the phone doing consult calls. And meanwhile, I'm also, I'm not taking any notes, right? So this was kind of before we had these magical CRMs and stuff. And I, I wasn't doing any follow-up. I was just, hey, Jamie Miller, Lovick, we can help you with your bankruptcy. 
you know, get back to me. Right. So it was just kind of not nothing beyond that. And then I started hiring lawyers and had the lawyers do consults. And once I started expanding the practice and adding lawyers beyond me, that's when the profitability started taking a hit and it became a, it became a challenge. Revenue continued to go up because I was adding more staff, but net profitability continued to, to be an issue that I was, was dealing with. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate. A lot of firms feel that way. I'm sure, I bet there's somebody that's listening to this right now that feels exactly that way. So Michael, let's, let's keep speaking to them. Yeah. Yeah. So I, to, to that point, Jamie, was there a, a, a defining moment for you in your journey, not a breakthrough moment, but actually a moment uh, that you considered a low point or, or a failure? And, and what did you take out of that? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I actually ended up, you know, with, with anxiety, a real high level exam, level of anxiety where I was, you know, I, I don't know about full blown panic attacks, but I had just so many different people pulling at me that I just, I, I, I remember one time I was, you know, sitting at a 341 hearing. And I knew the 341 hearing was running late. I knew that I had people waiting for me in the waiting room for consultations. I knew I had emergency bankruptcy petitions that needed to be scheduled. And I actually remember being in the 341 hearing and the trustee who I'm good friends with saw that I just wasn't right, you know, saw that I was, you know, fidgety and anxious and, you know, sweating. And he asked me if I was okay. And I said, yeah. And he said, you're not okay. He goes, why, why don't you go? And he says, I'll just cover these 341s. You know, I'll just ask the questions with these cases aren't complicated and we'll move on. And I remember going home that night and I said to my wife, Felicia, I go, I just, I just can't, something's got to change. I just can't continue to do what I'm doing all by myself. It's it's affecting my health and my mental health and my family and that type of thing. I know exactly how you feel. I, I, I can remember the exact moment I'm driving my, I had just smashed up my last previous hearse. I, I own funeral homes and I'm driving the, the rental hearse that I have. And I had just finished a funeral viewings and two more families needed my help, which means I was now doing the work. I won't get into the gruesomeness of doing the work of the funeral business, but suffice it to say, I was doing the physical work of getting the bodies prepared and I am buying my next company, which is the pet supply company. And I am driving up the road and it feels like my heart was going to leap out of my chest. It was pounding so hard. I had such a case of anxiety and I, and I didn't know what to do about it. And this is 2001 ish, 2002. So 22 some years ago. And I just had said yes to so many things. There were so many things pulling on me in so many different directions. And I didn't know how to replace myself. And I didn't have, I had some systems, but I didn't have great systems. And I'm driving home and I, I did two things. I also talked to Maria, but I also, on the whole, I can remember myself talking to God going, if this is what it's supposed to be like, then sign me out. Cause I, I can't handle it. I need, I need to go do something else. 
I go, you, you've got to take control here or else I'm done. And that was the moment for me where I just, between my faith-based scenario and my wife sitting down, my wife going, yeah, enough is enough. Let's figure this out. And that's when that moment was for me that we're like, we just, we just got to figure it out. And I think a lot of small business owners, regardless of the industry that you're in, have those moments at some time. Now, Michael, you're, you, you, I don't know if you've had that moment. I, I, oh, I, I have when I did the yeah. web development business. <laughs> yeah. And I remember one particular day when there was a, several big projects happening at once and one contractor was on them and just the ball dropped on all of the projects. And then he just up and left. Like there, there was nothing. And then I, I was left there and I only knew so much from a development standpoint and then the calls are rolling in for refunds. And I'm like, it wasn't some small bit of money. And, and I, I was just, oh, that was that was a very anxious feeling. It was actually- I remember after- I remember that day because you yeah. called me. Yeah. You were what? How old were you then? 20? 19, 19 or 20. 19, yeah. 19 years old. So Jamie, this is who we're dealing with here, right? He's 19 years old. He's running his own web development company. I think you're doing a couple, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars in business at that point. And I can remember I was at the Fry's supermarket in Phoenix, in Gilbert, and you called me and you were a hot mess, man. You were, you were like, you, you're like, I can't do this. And I think we had that conversation at that point that it was like, it was okay if you chose not to do it. Is that right? Yeah, it was well, because that was the moment when I had scaled up the agency too and hired a bunch of people. And so I had all these refund requests plus a bunch of people and payroll was coming up in two days and I was freaking out. And yeah, I think I, I did meet payroll that period. But I think after that is when I just at that point, because I was in college, I really did not want to have that much anxiety. I decided to roll back on that and just focus on the YouTube channel at that point because right. It, 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 yeah, it, it's not a great feeling. So to the law firm owners listening, I am sure many of you can relate in this sense. It, it, it's something most business owners go through at some point in time, various times during the journey. Um, but Jamie, I appreciate you being willing to share that because I think it's so relatable in this sense. It's interesting because when you have, when I have an opportunity to get away, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I would go up to Door County, Wisconsin, which is a beautiful place. And we, we tend, we love it there. We've been there many times. We go to the same places. And like, even today, we'll be at a spot, a restaurant in Door County. And Felicia said, you remember about 15 years ago, this is when Deborah called and quit, right? <laughs> or do you remember, this is when the trustee called and said, your case was a mess. It's a, you know, just those stressful times, you you remember exactly, just like Rich being at Fry's, you remember yeah. when and where that call came in. It's it's unbelievable. The triggering mechanism, it's unbelievable. Right. So, so yeah. okay, right. so where do we go from here, Michael? Because now we got the anxiety out of the way. What, what happened from here? Well, well, we got the anxiety out of the way, but, but I'm curious, Jamie, on the flip side of that, what was the breakthrough moment, right? What, what was that moment when the light bulb went off and things started to change for you? Well, it, it was figuring out that I needed to reach out and find someone that could help me with the office management. I knew I was good at managing people, managing the office, but it wasn't the, the best use of my time. So it's when I really reached out and I found an office manager 
that could take off the accounting and the HR and those issues. I, I would, I would work all day and in the bankruptcy world, you know, 15 years ago, it was cash, cash, cash. So we were seeing lots of cash. And I remember going home at night and working, you know, so I put the kids to bed and it would be, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night. And I'm, I'm cat, counting the cash and doing the accounting and, you know, entering. We were using a, a program called Time Matters back then. So I would open up the case. I would put the sticker on, on the file and I would walk, go home with these huge stack of files from the people that hired. And, uh, you know, I was working 24-7. So my first breakthrough was that I needed to hire some, uh, someone that was competent that could handle kind of those tasks that, you know, necessarily weren't the best use of my time. Sure. I can remember, uh, Jamie, I bet you Time Matters had it too. I, I used a program when I had the pet supply company called Mail Order Manager. And it had a, it had a, like a manual that thick. So three, four, five inches thick, right? And I can remember being at home at night, reading in my bed, the manual on Mail Order Manager so that I could figure this thing out so that I could try to make it do things that I, cause I didn't have any more time until I finally figured out the problem was that I was doing the work instead of hiring somebody else to be able to do the work. But I had learned the software so well that when I would call the software company for questions, I realized I knew more about their silly program than they did. Right. And so I'm assuming you felt the same way about time matters when you were using it yourself, you were trying to figure it out to make it work the way that you needed to work to ease some of your burden. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. hundred percent. And it was, it was stressful. You remember the, the January or December 31st, 1999, as we were rolling into <laughs> right. 2000, 2000 Y2K, Y2K, I, I was my, everything was in, and I had this laptop that was about this thick, <laughs> that everything was on that laptop. And I was freaking out as to what was going to happen on January 1st of 2000. Fortunately, everything worked out fine. Yeah. But that was huge anxiety level. Oh, gosh. So, Jamie, I, I'm curious. Obviously, you know, you had those moments, but wh why don't you give a little bit of the, like the next part of the journey? Where, where is your firm at now? Like, where where did you go? Right. So I, I started really scaling up the practice right in 2006, 2005. It really took off when the bankruptcy laws changed in October of 2005. Right before that, as people were trying to get all their bankruptcies in before the BAP CPA came in, I really got a sense of what volume looks like and how to handle the volume and, and scaled up and was really busy during that time period. And then all of a sudden it it slowed down, you know, it slowed down for 2006, 2007, and then, then started picking up again. And so I knew in 2006, 2007, that I would need to figure out a way to get more leads and started expanding into TV and into radio and direct mail. And so going into 2009, 2010s, our leads were up. And the only way that I could increase conversions in my mind was I saw the correlation between leads and hires. That, that was my vision. 
the more leads I got, the more hires I got. And so as, as I went through that journey of spending more and more and more on advertising and not having a great, what, what I know now, which I really didn't understand that word then, ROI, I, di I didn't realize that improving my ROI required me to do much better job with my, with my leads and managing my leads. And so going into 2012, 2013, something really clicked. I had a friend who was a, a business consultant and kind of chatted with him and he kind of opened my eyes to, you know, doing a better job with, with my leads. And he and I discovered something called Infusionsoft. Infusionsoft was a, a higher level CRM that we would use to put all of our leads in and, and build our um, lead management, you know, working really hard to take those leads, convert those leads into appointments, convert those appointments to shows, convert those shows into hires. Now, in, in uh, retrospect, that, that's a huge undertaking. It, it sounds like, oh yeah, that's easy, you know, but how do you do it? So how many, we spent hours trying hours upon hours, first of all, trying to get, learn Infusionsoft, which was a, a battle in itself, right? You're only as good as the software. If you don't know how to use it, you're just kind of stuck. And so on our own, we tried to use Infusionsoft and I hired some local people who I thought could help, help do it and help manage it. But we never, even though we had Infusionsoft, we, we never got really behind or beyond kind of the pen and paper way of managing the leads. We had this bulky software costing 500 bucks a month. We didn't really know how to use it. And we were still kind of using spreadsheets and handwritten notes to kind of figure things out. I realized that we could do better. And I saw such a huge opportunity. You know, I was getting 100, 150 leads a month. And so I went into the Infusionsoft marketplace and I was looking for, and I, I've always I've always realized in business that there's always, I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. And there's always people out there that can do things better than me. And I was always in search of finding, finding those resources. Mm -hmm. And I was never shy about spending money for it because I knew that if I found somebody that could do it better than me, that in the end it would result in, you know, improved revenue, improved profit, and any consultant or anybody really I've ever hired and kept working with has always resulted in a, a great return on investment. So taking me back to Infusionsoft and the marketplace, I ended up going into the marketplace and I found this guy named Richard Strauch at that time. And, you know, I, I, you know, it just was, you know, had I looked at his kind of resume, you know, had run a law, a bankruptcy law firm in Phoenix, had built that business to a, you know, a significant level, knows how to use Infusionsoft. And so I, I called that number and was able to get rich on the phone. And that's really where my life changed and my bankruptcy life changed because I still even though I had overcome some of the anxiety issues because I was hiring more staff, 
I still hadn't really solved that problem and trying to the, the balance, the work-life balance of being self-employed, of being an entrepreneur, of being driven, all those things are a great recipe to finding success, but they're also, it's a great recipe to finding stress. And, you know, in 2013, 2012, when I found Rich, that was really when I was able to change my mindset on many different things that allowed me to build the practice to where it is today. Well, first and foremost, you got our name right, which is, I mean, just remarkable awesome. because <laughs> I, I, it, it, it's, it's, I mean, the whole reason why I changed it to Richard James, right, is because nobody could say or spell Strauch. And after 12 years in the funeral business, correcting people on a daily basis and finally giving up and just accepting whatever they said, I decided when we built the next business, I was going to change my name. And you found me right before I made that pivotal decision. I can remember 2012 driving down the road with Maria going, you know, I think I'm going to change my name. And she was like, what? And I go, yeah, I'm sick of people not being able to say Strauch. And she's like, where'd you come up with that idea? I'm like, well, Dan Kennedy told me I could be whoever I wanted to be. So why don't I just change my name? Actors do it all the time. And she said, well, you can change yours, but I'm not changing mine. I go, what do you think it should be? She goes, well, your mother always called you Richard James when she was mad at you. So why don't you use Richard James? I'm like, oh, it's a great idea. So here we are, <laughs> Richard James, 12 years, 13 years later, whatever it's been now. So, you know, Jamie, I, I think that, yeah, we did. And I remember I, I remember that first phone call. I, I, I know exactly where I was pacing around my living room when I was having the conversation with you about your business and about what it is that you were looking at realizing that we were kindred spirits and we were aligned. But I, I want to take the uh, the acknowledgement off of me and put it towards you. At the end of the day, you were on the search for this. You realized there was information you didn't have, and you were the one who started to implement it. And you went with a program called Infusionsoft that you'd already owned, but now we figured out how to make it better. But you know, you still had to buy into it. You still had to be ready to make these changes. And so you, I mean, you get all the credit. You know, this is how I feel about this. You had to be able to be willing to be a good student, be coachable and go forward and be willing to make mistakes along the way. And I think there's a truism there that when you decide to, you know, if there's a firm out there right now that's struggling, which CRM they should use, it's not the magic in a particular CRM, whether they used Infusionsoft now called Keep or whatever. It's it's the fact that they're committed to figure out how to make this tool actually convert leads in the way that it should maximize it. And you were committed to that process. And it, I'm guessing there was a lot of learning curves. Would you agree? There, there was a, a lot of uh, learning curves. There was a lot of mistakes. But what was motivating was there was always progress. Right. So once I started on the journey of, you know, this perfect client life cycle and really examining every element of that, it was growth, 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 because we were always on a path of getting better at each element of that perfect client life cycle. Yeah. You no longer had to go pump more money into advertising, buy a bigger ad, spend more money on TV. You might've done some of that stuff, but you were able to generate more clients without spending more money on marketing. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. And, and the insight into, especially being able to kick the habit of the yellow pages and understanding what those numbers meant. A lead is not a lead. 
you know, a click from the yellow pages or, you know, a phone call is not a lead and understanding how to define what those terms mean is a great educational moment for me. Absolutely. Did you, so, did you make a commitment? Ahead. Yeah, Michael, I was good. No, 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 no. I think you're right on. You're probably going to ask the question I was going to ask. Go ahead. Well, so my, my question, Jamie, is, you know, as you've done this and, and as you brought the firm to, to where you're at, what, what success habits or what daily things do, do you do to contribute to that success and sustain that success? Part, part of my journey, and Rich and I have talked about this for years, and I, I, I'm grateful for it, but really being able to do what I want to do with my practice, and that, that doesn't mean go on vacation six months out of the year, but it, it just allows me to really think about where, where, what I want to do. You know, and I happen to really enjoy doing consults. I love meeting with people and, you know, helping them. And I don't like going to court and I don't like writing briefs. And so, you know, kind of being able to really sit down and spend time thinking about what, what I want to do and then tailor the practice around that mm-hmm. has really been a learning moment and moment and has, has really taken, taken the stress off of me. But the, the big moment, the big turning point is data and, and, and recognizing how that data allows you to find every hole in the practice that is there and, and setting metrics and setting goals. And, you know, once you start having statistics and you're measuring people by numbers, it's really the secret sauce to, you know, building the practice because people, they can tell you they're working hard and, but unless the numbers reflect it, you, you, and unless you have those numbers, it's hard to have a real constructive conversation with somebody about what improvement looks like. I yeah, see no, Rich I, nodding I, his head. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, the, 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 the two things you said were, were getting the data and then being committed to designing the life that you want rather than saying, well, I'm going to have a business and whatever life I happen to get out of it, I'll take. You said, no, 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 no. This is the life I want. Let's design my business to get me what I need. And I'm going to use data to help me understand that. And that that's a great discipline. It's it's yes, it's very powerful. I, I think that's that's incredible. I think well said, Jamie. What's what's got you excited today? What what's got you fired up? Whether it's personal business, what's got you fired up and excited? We we, we had a really tough time in COVID. The last couple of years really dried up, and we we during that time period really fortunate to get the PPP money and the EIDL and the RTC money and. and and it allowed us to stay focused on what the future was going to be. Now, I always, you know, I would take a great economy because during good economies and bad economies, we're still busy. Busy. I feel like we do things the right way. Our bankruptcy numbers have been consistent. But I knew and, you know, along with my colleagues, we knew that once we got out of the COVID era, that things were really going to take off. So 
by by keeping our staff together, we didn't lay anybody off. We did cut hours, but by keeping our staff together, keeping the team together, continuing to invest the strategy and energy into the business during COVID, knowing that things were going to change, it it's really excited me and excited my team. You know, we 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 normally I call the the April May area era time time period each year is the Christmas season. You know, coming from retail, it's mm-hmm. it's always our busy season. And I had employees that had been with me for two years through COVID that never experienced that right. Christmas season. You know, and so we were telling them, you know, we trained and we trained. And it's I tell you, Christmas is coming, right? It it is coming. In 2023, I, I can tell you, and then in November of 2022, all of a sudden, we saw our leads just start to go up, which is odd for November and December, because that's usually a really slow time. And then we hit January of 23, and our leads just really started to, to, to go up. And as we're working now, we're, we're adding people, we're doing it at a, at a great pace, we're not panicked. Business is is really it's just it's really exciting. We have a lot of ha- happy employees and and happy staff. And uh, I'll be honest, we're we're hitting we're going to hit revenue number. I I think I can I can tell you this as friends and and grateful. But I think we're going to do more this year, which is just Congratulations. A, a a goal Man. that and it's not in that month, that doesn't mean like I'm excited about the revenue. But to me, I translate translate that into just the number of people that we're helping, and uh, that's what really gets us, us jazzed as a business that really runs on core values. We're we're able to help more and more people at a high level, and getting people to you know get rid of their debt, fresh start, get a seven twenty credit score, great Google reviews. That that's really what's more gratifying than you know than even the money. I love it. I like that's a great call today. Oh, so good. And Jamie, we really appreciate you being willing to share everything you did. I, I think this was a, a great experience for everyone listening. And, and to those of you that are listening, just a, a quick refresh. We got our gentleman's agreement around here. So we invest our time, money, resources into producing this podcast. Make sure you get the most value possible. If this is not your first time listening or watching, we kindly ask that depending on the platform you're listening or watching, you hit that subscribe or follow button, hit that like button, comment if you've got any questions or just want to give props to Jamie on a job well done. And we appreciate you guys listening. But Jamie, again, thank you very much for being on today. Appreciate yeah, you guys more yeah, than you no, know. It, it's it's a it's always a joy to hear your journey and to hear where you're at right now and where you're going from here. And what's what's exciting is the foundation is now in place, your team is in place, your structure is in place, you've built the practice that supports the life that you want, and now is when it starts to get really really fun. So congratulations on everything that you've done. I appreciate you both. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Really great Our to pleasure. be with you. Our pleasure, Thanks Jamie. So I appreciate you. All right, everybody, that's a wrap for today. Next time, we're going to bring you back yet another fantastic member of our world, attorney who's running the race just like you are. And so our goal, Michael, is always is to inspire them, right? Absolutely. Our goal is so you get something out of every episode we do, and uh, we'll, we'll keep bringing on some incredible members of our community. All right, everybody, make it a great day. We're out.